Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and this episode is being produced for Good Crowd Info. Our guest today is a real luminary in the securities investing world, especially with a focus on crowdfunding. Our guest is Dara Albright. Dara, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Devin. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. We appreciate you making time to do this. You know, I've been subscribed to your content for a long time, and when I got your latest newsletter talking about Reg A, or Reg A Plus, I was really intrigued and, and reached out to you immediately to get you on the show because I think this is such an important topic. But uh, before we talk more about that, uh, why don't you take just a minute and introduce yourself to the few people on the show who, who are maybe watching who may not know who you are. Of course, most in the crowdfunding world will know who you are, but introduce yourself, please. Sure. Thanks. So um, my name is Dara Albright. Um, my background, I come from a very traditional, conventional Wall Street background. Um, 22 years now on, on Wall Street in, you know, everything from um, institutional equity sales, retail sales, IPO execution, um, and really extensive work in, in especially in the marketing and of, of securities marketing uh, and investor relations. And... Um, you know, I, you know, basically have come out of a firm called Underberg Tobin. Back in the day, they were most known for bringing very high-profile technology companies public, companies like Intel that they brought public in 1971. And I had the um, privilege of working for them in the 1990s um, when this little thing called the Internet was just emerging on the scene. And... Um, and, and it was really changing not only the way that we communicate, the way we shop, but the way we invest. And, you know, it was really an honor to work at that point of time in Wall Street because it was still a time when small cap companies could go public and there was a flourishing small cap IPO market. And it was an opportunity to be part of that ecosystem to help the people's capital reach the innovation of the day. Uh, unfortunately, that is no really no longer the world that we live in anymore, and the markets became very institutionally driven um, and and monopolized by high frequency traders. And you know, over the past um, four about four years ago, I actually reconnected with an analyst that I had worked with at Unterberg, who was one of the earliest internet analysts on Wall Street, who said, you know, what do you make of, um, you know, the, the, these new sort of venture markets or exchanges that are popping up to uh, facilitate um, tra transactions in private securities for late stage uh, uh, venture companies and pre-IPO companies? And as I started looking at it, I said, this is interesting. And this could really be the embryonic period of the next great um, era of prosperity. So. Um, I started following what was going on, I, I, you know, and and basically taking this message on the street of you know why this, the, you know, what happened to the small cap IPO? How could we sort of bring back the the that whole marketplace? Um, and in uh, 2011, uh, when I saw that a bunch of bills had just 
um, actually passed the House Financial Services Committee that ended up what we now know is the Jobs Act. Um, I wrote an article called Bipartisanship Prevails for Job Creation, and in it I saw, spoke glowingly of this, this concept called crowdfunding and how that will really democratize the investing process and level the playing field uh, for not only smaller businesses but for smaller investors. And for that, you know, it was at that point um, I actually sent that article to Congressman McHenry who had introduced that bill. Um, and uh, he liked the article, agreed to headline the next event that I was putting together in January 2012, which really became the first time we actually introduced Wall Street to the concept of crowdfunding. Uh, and then from there, it's just been a whirlwind, you know, um, you know, really just, you know, it, being involved in, in really, I think, educating um, all parts of the financial ecosystem, whether it's the issuers, the investors, or even the intermediaries and investment bankers, and, and really showing how everyone in the ecosystem can capitalize on what I believe we're witnessing now is really a revolution in, in the financial system. Absolutely. Now, now, why do you think and why, why do you get excited about Reg A? What excites you about that? So, you know, what I really found exciting about what, what we call Title III crowdfunding or unaccredited crowdfunding was the opportunity to, to bring, um, you know, these, these early stage companies or the, these growth opportunities to retail investors. And, you know, and I, I recently, in the article that you read, I had a, a chart in there which really compares the Intel IPO versus the Alibaba IPO, and it really shows you just how broken our system is. And just to give you an idea, uh, or your listeners an idea, the Intel IPO went public in 1971, uh, small cap stock, it was a 50-some-one million dollar valuation, they raised, you know, eight million dollars on their IPO. The investors that, that purchased Intel stock uh, on its IPO day, um, and if they held it till till you know the, this the, around this time frame, they would have realized a 280,000 percent return. Now, if you compare that to uh, Alibaba's IPO, that you know raises 25 billion on their IPO, uh, you know um, 175 billion dollar market cap. In order for Alibaba's IPO investors to realize that same return. Alibaba will need to be trading at a $480 trillion market capitalization, which is six times the GDP of every nation in this country, in, 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 in the world. on this planet. It would have to be six times the size of the global economy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, yeah, it's just crazy. So the system is absolutely, absolutely broken. Tell people what Reg A plus, this Title IV of the Jobs Act, does. Sure. So what, what, what excites me about, first of all, what Reg A plus is, it's really a, um, an, it's an abbreviated uh, filing um, for companies to, to raise capital. It, it's, a, it's an exemption that allows companies to raise capital and they, we're not jumping through all of the regulatory hoops that you would if you were doing an IP, a, a traditional IPO. Um, so that means there's much less expensive and 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 uh, cumbersome. So um, what I uh, Reg A has been around for a very long time, 
Um, it is is one of the least frequently used exemptions. Um, it, basically, companies were able to use uh, Reg A to raise up to five million dollars um, in capital. Now they, in, according to the Jobs Act, the Jobs Act basically increased that threshold to fifty million. The reason why most issuers were reluctant to use Reg A. Uh, is because what you have to do when you're doing a Reg A is actually go state by state to get approval in each state that you that you you want to offer the stock in. Um, that's what's kind of known as blue sky laws. And what it's prohibitively FDA, expensive for most very, deals, right? And, and, and time consuming as well. I mean, so you're talking about months. Um, and that's why uh, many issuers really chose the Reg D path because it, Reg D is basically uh, you don't have to go and and you're you're, you're preempted from blue sky, and and also with Reg D um, you um, it's it's you know it's one form it's a form D, um, so it's 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 just it's a lot less burdensome. Um, and so, with with what what the SEC had done in December two thousand and thirteen, uh, when they were proposing the rules for um, for Title Four, which which governs um, the Reg A exemption, was they they basically um, are are you know hinted or suggested that that it should be um, also preempted, blue sky preempted. And if it ends up where, where once the final rules um, come to pass, if it if it ends up that 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 they actually um, exempt reggae issuers from having to, to deal with with blue sky uh, laws, well, then I think that's a game changer. Uh, I think that you're going to see a lot more issuers. Use, using this, I think you're going to see, especially in the biotech space, um, you're going to see a lot more companies. I think you're going to see a lot more Wall Street firms and small cap underwriters getting behind this. Um, so I think that there's a real chance. But what I think that I think it's really important to understand about Reg A is that, or or any of these uh, Jobs Act. Um, uh, exemptions or new financing structures that that are emerging, while it's creating a new way for issuers to actually raise capital, sometimes it's not only that's not that's only part of the problem. You know, sometimes sometimes even raising capital can even be the easy part. You know, what what I think that we really have to make the entire um, you know financial community really understand is that. That you know, the first step is raising the capital. Um, you know, the second step, you know, you also want to make sure that you bring the crowd. Um, so you you know you want to you you want to bring the people's money. You want to bring you want because that's you you want to bring retail investors back into the game. Um, and and I think the other the you know the final step is you need to provide liquidity. And you, so what we really, where the real problem I think we have is we need a, a really, um, uh, a, a venture market, a, a, you know, a reputable solid venture market that can support and, and really help, uh, you know, small cap 
uh, offerings like this flourish. Uh, that's what we are lacking right now, and and that's that's I, I think um, is the main the, the main thing we need to fix. Yeah. So, Vera, will will a reggae offering as as conceived under Title Four and the draft rules suggest will that make a company public? Will it provide a path to being public, or is it just another private placement offering? Um, it will provide a path. It depends. So, um, and, and what it really depends upon is how many shareholders um, that, that you have. So, just like in any kind of, you know, with, with, with Title III, they basically carved out um, what's called a, a 12, the, the, a, they basically carved out those shareholders. They won't count them on the cap table. Right. So, for if you were doing, you know, theoretically, once it's available, if you were doing a a, a Title III crowdfunding offering uh, and had raised a dollar from a million different shareholders, well, you know, those million uh, shareholders wouldn't even count um, as as uh, on basically it wouldn't be once you get to a certain number of shareholders, companies must go public. Or they must file with, they with start the, filing their annual reports, right? And right, and and essentially be public. Um, so that's 500 unaccredited shareholders, or a total of 2,000 shareholders. Now you could have, like I say, a million under Title III won't matter. Now not the case with Reg A. With with Reg A, if you have um, you know 2,500 shareholders, well then you are a reporting company. Now that is something that I, I think um, will be discussed, and once the final rules come out, you know, we we may see new led, you know, we may we we may see that change. We may see in final rules come out where maybe they do um, carve out the the um, the the reggae investor oh. and, and take them off the cap table. I personally like the idea of a reggae offering creating a small public company. But it, it doesn't become a very effective substitute for true crowdfunding because it isn't startup money in that case so much as a as growth capital. But exactly. to your Intel example, it's exact it, it brings back today's Intels into the public market that way and gives everyone an opportunity to participate in that growth uh, in the structure of uh, public company markets, which most of us understand pretty well. Right. So it, I like it that way. Although I know there are a lot of people that would rather see it sort of be uh, another private offering, and I, I kind of hope personally that's what we see uh, Title III become is that way to seed capitalize yourself without having to worry about the ramifications of becoming a public company. But, I think uh, you might see both. Uh, actually, I mean, I think you might see some issuers using it uh, reggae and 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 staying private, and I think yeah. you may see some maybe using it more as a, as a, you know uh, as their entrance into uh, the public markets. Yeah. Well, it, it should be exciting. When do you think the SEC is going to act on some of these remaining Jobs Act regulations that were due now years ago? You know, we're talking. They were due two years ago. What, Title three, they issued draft rules in October of last year. Nothing. 
I know they put out a calendar statement that many have interpreted as meaning they won't do it until October. Um, you and I know Sarah Hanks. She's she took a position recently. It means nothing. They could they could issue the rules tomorrow. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's a million dollar question, but I, I mean, if I, I I look at it this way, you know, we've seen uh, Congressman McHenry come out and and be very vocal about challenges that they have with Title III. And um, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear that 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 the especially with a new Cong with, with you know a new Congress, a new Senate, I, I think that um, we will likely see a, a you know a, a kind of a redo of Title III. And if we do, you know, and even just you know even just the discussion of 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 potentially you know scrapping it and doing that over if I were the SEC or you know and and it was my job to create the new final rules you know am I really going to, to work so hard and put so much effort into something that you know you know is likely going to be you know thrown you know thrown away and I'm going to have to do all over again so I don't know how incentivized they they will be to you know and I could be totally wrong I just you know from a psychological you know perspective I don't know how incentivized they would be to do something knowing that chances are they may have to do it all over again um, Title Four uh, I am a lot more optimistic about um, I I think that um, I think we will see something. Um, Sooner rather than later in Title IV, I think they need to do something. I think the you know I think the problem is um, a lot of it is is really education, and I and and I think a lot of it is really getting the message out there to the people, and and you know even letting people understand what this really means and how how it you know how having. You know, because what what all reggae, you know, all this is. I, I look at it as all unaccredited crowdfunding really is is just the rebirth of the retail investor. So you know, if you talk about it in those terms, I think it's so important that we create um, a really workable framework for unaccredited crowdfunding to allow the retail investor back into the game and you know back to participating in growth opportunities because you know those companies are still around those 200,000 percent you know returns they, they're still out there you know you just have to get them very very early you're not going to get yeah. them in the public markets and, and so the only people who have access to them are people who are by definition already rich people That's who right. are not are systematically boxed out perpetuating the problem between rich and poor. I realize this alone isn't the solution to, to income inequality in America, but it is a factor. It is a factor. It, it, it's a big factor, and and you know, and by having these these dysfunctional markets, I mean, really, what what we've done is we've we've created an environment where the public markets have become nothing more than an exit strategy for the financially privileged, and yeah. that you know, we want to talk about the wealth disparity. In this nation, I mean, it, this this is a big part of it. it. It's not giving the masses the opportunity to have yield and growth once again in their portfolios. Yeah, 
Well, Derry, it's been just a joy to have you. I appreciate you so much taking the time to be with us today and uh, wish you every success in the work you're doing. Tell people how they can get your newsletter, learn events. We don't want to have anyone miss out. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Um, so um, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Twitter handle is uh, at to the Stoics. Um, it's T O T H E S T O I C S, um, or DaraAlbright.com, um, and you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And um, you know, look forward. I'm always happy to to meet new folks and and um, start new dialogues. So. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. And by the way, um, I am uh, having an event in Save the Date for anyone interested, uh, February 26th in South Florida, if anyone wants to escape to the warmth, uh, where we're really going to focus on reggae and a lot of what we just talked about now. Fantastic. Well, Dara, thank you very much for being there. I hope I see you in Florida. <laughs> thanks so much. All righty. Let's All right, do some thanks. good. Okay. Thanks. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.